because you are in london now and mm-hmm. it's been what one and a half weeks so mm-hmm. let me ask you this what do you feel mm-hmm. about changing cities or colleges or life in some manner what are your overall thoughts it could be what are the good things about it or it could be the anxious part about it do you think it's good do you think it's bad do you think it's bad but necessary anything at all hmm okay that's a start um so f- f- first of all you talked about changing cities uh, and this is not the first time that i'm changing cities uh, although all my previous city changes have been within india so the the experience of changing cities internationally is certainly more taxing i guess uh, and requires more of a longer settling in process but having said that i think i'm feeling unusually familiar to this place and i think the reason for that is uh mumbai uh, which i lived in previously and london both of them are metropolitan cities so like there's there's a lot of hustle bustle that goes on both in mumbai and london in fact in fact it's it's slightly more in mumbai than in london but uh i think it's because of that nature of both the cities i think i feel quite familiar to london and it's it's not that big of a adjustment for me um some of my other friends feel that it's a big deal for them that they're seeing so many people on streets uh but for me it's peanuts so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um uh, once you I travel think, in mumbai's local trains and if uh, someone says there's rush somewhere it almost seems comical in a similar <laughs> way once you're in traffic in mumbai and someone say i live in nagpur now and in nagpur someone is late and that person says that no i was stuck in traffic i will just laugh at their faces guys you all don't know what traffic is hmm <laughs> yeah 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 I mean London also has traffic it lasts for like exactly 2 minutes and people say we will get annoyed by it and I'm like Bombay has like at least 30 minutes 40 minutes of traffic jams it's not just day. that you can travel some parts of the road by walking you can cover it within 15 minutes and by mm-hmm. car you will take 45 minutes and it is very <laughs> normal in Mumbai at peak hours yeah 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 I mean the the bigger change i found was of when i visited some uh, relatively rural places in china and even even sonipat where my college is that's a more rural place i think that's more of an adjustment to have because uh, it's it's just a very different lifestyle um you don't get your usual uh, facilities that you get uh, in cities so for example i just walked down the street here and i find like three supermarkets right there uh, and you can buy almost anything that you want uh that's that's not your common experience in a relatively rural setting so i think that that was more of a bigger change uh at least lifestyle wise than is london to mumbai so uh, yeah. over the years because mm-hmm. i'm interested in development sector uh, mm-hmm. usually the work a lot of work is done in rural areas in a rural mm-hmm. area so mm-hmm. while small internships or field emergence etc mm-hmm. uh, i will mm-hmm. talk to people who have grown up in village settings and even mm-hmm. here in college because uh, people from all over the country have come here to study some of them right. are from village background and i have seen that they will always try to mock people who have lived in cities for a long time they will mm-hmm. ask have you eaten this thing which is available only in villages 
and if hmm. you say no they are just going to make fun of you this is something you should really try and hmm. there's so many things like they will glorify not having internet for days hmm. they will glorify not having electricity for days not having internet for days and hmm. uh, all of their harsh experiences they will try to hmm. glorify it oh there are no roads there so you have to go through the jungle and if there's hmm. some problem during your uh visit no one is going to help you etc etc how can you glorify this and why are you always trying to mock people who have who are born and brought up in cities but in any case god this sound <laughs> yeah in any case uh whatever you said i think it was more on the logical side uh, logistical side hmm. uh what do you think makes you uncomfortable when you change cities um it, the obvious thing with international city changes the culture uh, and the people i mean this is like one simple example is uh, there are a lot of uh, chinese people in the place i live and it's it's generally very difficult to communicate things with them um you have to use highly oversimplified english um so what i find uh, is this communication distance gap um that exists with a lot of people from uh different cultures surprisingly it's 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 not that much with westerners as much as it is with uh east asians like chinese japanese and the reason um, behind it is the proficiency in english right uh i think so but i think it might run deeper than just uh knowledge of english it might just be the way of culturally the way of thinking i think even in india uh perhaps due to being a part of the commonwealth we are much more adept at thinking with the western way of thinking which is like analytical logical dissecting things etc east asian cultures uh, i mean it's 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 sort of documented well in psycholo- psychology literature is um they, they have a slightly different way of thinking in which uh, it's much more uh, relational and contextual uh, the way they think uh, than individual and dissection which is the western way of thinking um so maybe i mean it, the the differences might run deeper uh, but having said that there's a communication gap that is very very obviously felt uh, which makes you feel more alien uh, in fact now that i now if i talk to any indian and you see this very little loss of communication that's happening that feels mind blowing and surprising but wait the course you have been admitted to that required some hmm. english test right That's so correct. how how come these Chinese people who are who you claim to not be so proficient in English how do these right. people crack that exam? Right. Um. So first of all, you are not required to achieve the maximum marks. Uh, it's it's above a certain level, uh, which I think they might be. I mean, they are certainly now that they are here, uh, and it's not that they don't know English theoretically. Uh, it's. I mean, I'm sure they could write essays pretty fine. it seems to me there's there's this more of a uh impromptu communication english th- that that seems to be a little off i mean the experience personally for me is just uh you have to boil down your english a lot and uh, and you can hardly use any cultural references hardly use any idioms or something like that you have to be like very clear and direct so i mean the english is fine they still speak english uh but uh yeah it doesn't have all those nuances of culture that maybe we have because we have been exposed to a western style of education okay so that yeah. is that your only source of discomfort um certainly the most 
prominent at this point um is there any other i mean food is certainly one uh in india we are quite used to eating a lot of spicy food uh here the food is generally bland uh but not to say that i'm not liking it it's just unusual also i i know that you have reached your college one week after it was started so huh. that poses some different kinds of challenges there are right. already groups formed and you have to now infiltrate into those groups so any yeah. struggles so far with respect yeah. to that? yeah uh, <laughs> yeah that is i mean i've not really gotten an opportunity to um talk to a lot of people in my class yet um but having wow. said that there, there's also a group of people who come late so even that is a group and oh. you sort of connect with them to okay. start with okay. yeah <laughs> yeah okay so discomforts aside what do you think yeah. is the bright side of that sort yeah yeah i mean the brightest side is uh and this is on the social level uh the brightest side is no one here knows who you have been all this while so you sort of get to recreate and reinvent yourself without the fear of judgment uh so i mean uh usually speaking i'm not very outgoing and i don't take the first initiative to talk to people etc but uh at this point at least in these few weeks i'm in like total extrovert mode uh like i'm sitting with people i don't know for dinner lunch etc um and it's it's without any pretense that they might they might be thinking what is wrong with this guy because they don't really know who this guy has been before so it's it's sort of a good way to leave all your uh things behind and sort of uh start something a fresh which is a more uh ideal version of you uh and more of a version of you that you want to be and it's rather difficult to do when you have uh people around who will always point this out that you're being different or you're being unusual you have there's just no fear of judgment yeah so funnily enough yeah uh in the notes i had made my uh-huh. the, the name of the topic was a fresh start yeah. Yeah and, that's and lovely you, and you came right at that yeah. at the end oh so, nice so even i think that that is the brightest side of moving to another city another college or a new group yeah. in general that you get a fresh start and people don't yeah. know what your past has been and yeah. uh, let, let me give you an example mm-hmm. uh, there is this group or group of friends i have grown up with uh, they used mm-hmm. to live in my building or uh, they just lived around me so we used to play mm-hmm. cricket for all mm-hmm. my childhood mm-hmm. and i was really bad at cricket i used to get mm-hmm. bowled easily i could not <laughs> hit the ball very far so in mm-hmm. general my confidence was very low and mm-hmm. then one day my college mates decided to play cricket and that was mm-hmm. also a fresh start so mm-hmm. i just made my mind that i am going to act as if i'm a pro at this and <laughs> yeah. i started hitting the ball and i started throwing it out of the park i started bowling well and one of my friends who has to play bad with he comes mm. around and he says and he is completely surprised how can rohan play so well and the reason mm. being because there is a new group of people they don't really know so my confidence came back to my original level and uh, i got a fresh start and that worked out well for me sometimes yeah. uh, you just get used to not being good and people expect you to not be good so this can be applied in n number of situations and n number of qualities but this was 
this is the place where i realized the importance of a fresh start and what it can do for you and uh, yeah. changing cities gives you a completely blank slate which you can fill the way you want but i don't really exactly. know how it plays out in the long run like i mm-hmm. don't really have so much experience uh, you have experience of living in a new city for 4 years so you might know better that you might start with a blank slate but over the years does it come back to your original uh, image what you had previously or is it possible to keep it new for a long time and that is your new identity whatever you fill on that blank slate is that possible i don't really know hmm i mean there's certainly common threads uh it's it's not as if you're like a totally different person in this in the sense of it's totally unrecognizable but uh, at the same time i do think all those traits that you change uh do stay for you at least in this new place in fact i would say uh, when i'm far away from home uh beat in delhi or beat here um i'm much more of an ideal version of myself the way i construe that than when i am at home at home right. you're just clouded right. by your Im- images of your parents yeah sorry what why do you think that happens um i guess it's just more autonomy it's more uh you get to do what you want you get to sort of prioritize things based on your values and it's much more uh independent and much less influenced by others so yeah i mean you know the indian context it's uh, your parents do sort of want you to be a certain way yeah that's true uh, also i think you can attribute it to the space as well your the space yeah. you have outside your home like you yeah. can cry yourself to bed a few nights it's it will uh-huh. be okay but that would be very weird and very alarming yeah uh, at home back at home yeah yeah that's true um i mean there's small things like yeah i think crying to bed is a great example <laughs> um other other what what can i mean things like sometimes you're just very tired and you sort of <laughs> don't sort of sometimes maybe you skip a meal or something i'm not saying that as that is an ideal version of myself certainly not but other if if that happens at home that that is much more alarming and that can that can alarming, even create us the world goes down if you skip a meal and yeah. the drama it is going to create with your mom that is that is much worse than the problem because of which you are skipping the uh, skipping your meal yeah yeah and also generally i find i don't skip meals i mean again the, my the ideal version that i create for myself uh concentrates on health a lot so uh, i don't skip meals but i'm just saying that that there's this option that that can happen on the rarest of rare occasion and nothing will happen which makes it good yeah so i i think we both look for consistency in life like having two meals a day not changing that much sleeping at the same yeah. time waking up at the same time i think that's something common between us yeah yeah although certainly i mean i do look forward to having good routines but at the same time like there's i'm like trying to have certain blocks in life at certain points in time where i'm sort of playing it by the ear uh just experimenting with that and like for ages i've been very organized and know exactly what i want to do so i'm just experimenting a bit of spontaneity here and there okay now that we were on the topic of having meals and not skipping meals let me yeah. ask you this yeah what do you, you seem feel? to be ready with all questions huh? yeah i mean <laughs> this is a dream come true for me i've been waiting to start a podcast to record a podcast for years yeah. now Oh goodness! So, <laughs> so I, I'll be bombarded with years worth of questions. 
so i was not collecting questions for all this time but your mind was come on questions certainly popped up in my mind but i was not making note of them so i don't really have ah, them with fair me. enough fair enough yeah good so what do you feel about eating alone ha ah, great question um i think i mean what do you mean by eating alone uh, it could if, be anything uh, the yeah. two usual two are god this noise natural interval for us yeah so eating yeah. alone could mean either eating alone in mess just going out to your eating place alone when you usually you might eat with your friends or mm-hmm. even say going out in a restaurant to eat alone yeah i i, I mean the very short answer to that is eating in a restaurant is fine i don't feel anything eating in the mess is horrible especially if you are eating in a mess that is familiar to you like people know you i mean say for example i have come here and nobody knows me well enough here at this point so i it, it's not much of a problem eating alone although what i i mean this is something that we could talk about later is that i've sort of made it a rule that i will not eat alone even a single meal so i'm just sitting with anyone randomly in these first few weeks oh nice uh, yeah yeah um but if people don't know you then eating alone is not that big of a problem the alone part of it is not as much as a problem as is the fear of like people judging you or again it's the same image thing that i was talking about um so for example eating alone in a mess at ashoka which was my college for the last 4 years is much more difficult than eating alone here at this point maybe this will also become a familiar mess very soon and then it will carry its burden of uh, eating alone but uh, at this point i think i can eat alone here without feeling much of a discomfort but having said that there is still discomfort it's it's always there and um, yeah i mean it's i i prefer eating with someone than eating alone and i i can notice it in my like eating style like i'm much more relaxed while eating uh, i'm having much more food uh versus when i'm eating alone where it's just a race to end it for for me it's the other way around i'm okay with okay. eating alone in the mess but if there's uh-huh. something weird going on if i'm eating alone in a restaurant and uh-huh. i've tried to analyze this a few times like i am feeling hungry i want to eat something mm-hmm. nice so let me just mm-hmm. go to my favorite restaurant and eat but mm-hmm. then there is something weird going on and i don't really know what is causing the discomfort mm-hmm. i can't really pinpoint at that even th- that this applies even to movies sometimes i just want to go for a movie my friends are not interested in seeing this movie or i want mm. to see it right now then i'll go to see the movie but then mm-hmm. something will feel weird something will feel off i don't really know yeah and i can't pinpoint at what is really messing things up and i don't know um for me in restaurants again it's not that i've had many meals alone in restaurants but eating alone has been fine although it's it's like i like there the alone part of it is not that crucial the the thing that i was emphasizing on when i spoke previously is the difference between eating alone and eating with someone in the mess mainly and i think that also depends a lot on like the context you are in like i do feel uh, ashoka is a much more i don't know it might just be my particular situation there but uh, is it it's a more it's a place more prone to loneliness it feels as if at least and uh, maybe that reinforces your uh discomfort and maybe that's not happening with you in your mess uh but when you when you compare it to a restaurant i mean it it's i mean it's always better to have someone it's more chill and comfortable 
बट आई थिंक आई बिन फाइन फॉर द मोस्ट पार्ट especially if it's a restaurant where there's there are not many people see i agree that it is better to have someone with you that is yeah. understood but my problem is i should not feel the same way neg- in the negative sense when i'm alone because the betterness should just go off when i'm alone but that is not the case i'll feel something right. bad when i'm alone ah. yeah 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 so l- let me Uh, let me twist the question. Do you think that question. discomfort? Uh, sorry, uh, I was just asking. Do you think whatever that discomfort is, the badness yeah. uh, that hinges on the uh, sense of loneliness, or is it something different? No, it's not loneliness. Loneliness is some is a time when you don't really have someone with you when you want someone. But I might mm-hmm. have great friends. I might just have talked to a good friend. I might mm-hmm. feel connected with that person. and now after talking to that person i just ha- feel like having a good meal yeah so that loneliness i don't think that comes into the picture right but see uh, it's it's never the case that i i mean i don't think at ashok i've ever had any moment where i would say i don't have friends i mean i've had great friendships but at the same time i do feel that uh, tickling in the stomach uh and in the chest when you are alone in the mess uh that 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 says nothing about uh the friendship that that i've had it just says something about that i don't have people around me at this point where others have people around them it's a social comparison thing i think mostly maybe but this is a problem going into the future mm-hmm. i don't want to feel bad when i go alone somewhere yeah yeah that is uh certainly a worthy aim Yeah, I, I yeah. very much intend to solve this problem by some means, and it is worth investigating <laughs> at least for me. Yeah, this problem needs to be solved. I mean, technically, I'm alone here, so it's it's fine. It's not killing me or anything, and I'm making good new relationships here, so it's it's fine. It it takes care of itself. Okay, so let me twist the question now. Yeah, what do you feel about eating together with someone? How did you eat food, lunch or dinner while you were back at home? uh it was with family mostly okay so this was not the case with me for the okay. last so many years when i was back at mumbai at my home i mm. would be served a plate of dinner and i would just mm. eat it in front of my computer screen watching some youtube videos and that changed when i when i came here because i had a mess and i didn't i cannot take my computer to the mess and there were right, always people right, around right. so right it was a very different experience for me to eat every day with someone mm-hmm. so yeah so mm-hmm. what do you feel about it then what's the difference yeah so nice one bouncing that question back on me there uh, i mean i i've not um yeah that's so true. i've always eaten with people that's so it's not a novelty yeah, for me that's true so firstly i think it feels great yeah and some of the best conversations i've had I've had on I had it on dinner. Yeah, yeah. That's meals are a great way to know people. And I and think uh, meals act also act as an anchor. Yeah, of course. To, towards relationships, because yeah, even if do. things are not going well with your friends, you can always yeah. bet on eating together, and then you'll have to face yourself. Then someone cracks <laughs> a joke, and then you both will <laughs> laugh together. Then you all will see each other, yeah. and then he will say something funny, and you will start laughing, etc., etc. So. it feels more like an anchor and then when you're eating food with someone every day these people yeah. become very close and then ideas which 
pop up into your head you can't not see them just yeah. comes out and then yeah things usually become okay between people over dinners and not just dinners the act of going till the mess after that sitting at the juice center going for a walk etc mm. yeah. so i think it is an yeah. important component of maintaining yeah. relationships i agree i mean uh, at ashoka i have eaten breakfast with the same person for 4 years so i exactly <laughs> know what you mean <laughs> yeah so yeah eating together is awesome um and it's also um it's it's a great way to i mean it's a very reliable anchor nonetheless because even if you have a lot of work you are probably not going to skip your meal at least people who have health in mind um so it it sort of remains an anchor despite uh like circumstances like you're getting very busy with life because of work study etc uh, so it, yeah, you're still going to have meals i can relate to this but not in the way you are talking in okay so during exams some of my friends won't eat lunch ah okay. and that will frustrate me a lot <laughs> come yeah. on guys i am equally tensed have a meal with me but no y'all want me yeah. to eat alone in this tense situation <laughs> what kind of friendship is this <laughs> yeah i mean um see it's, it's i also have friends who don't like uh who sort of skip meals when there's the submission period and um, these people are but, smart people they will yeah. score very good marks and with they and they will skip their meals and i will yeah. be there eating meals not really revising walking in a chill manner and they <laughs> will score more than me and like what <laughs> um i mean for me there has been never been a trade off with marks uh, so uh, in fact those people who have sort of skipped their meals have always scored consistently lower because uh, the type of submissions at ashoka are mainly essays uh, and you really can't write good essays in the last moment um but having said that uh, what i meant was even though my friends also skip meals at least there is one meal that is preserved at least one yeah one meal uh, there obviously yeah. Yeah, right so th- that's what i meant by it's still a very reliable way of keeping your relationships going so mm-hmm. you know that i volunteered for a ngo called make a difference for the yeah. last one year right so right. last year i had a role of a mentor i was mentoring a child of 12th grade and i right. was basically teaching him life skills but okay. uh, i decided to continue this year as well but i did not want to have the same role just because okay. i see this also as an opportunity to grow myself and yeah. polish my skills as well so i thought uh, try out different things yeah, yeah. changing my yeah. role would lead to more amount of learning so i changed to academic support volunteer where you teach either math or english to school children okay okay i don't know why but this i think these people have this image of me that rohan because he is a mentor he must be mature and he must be really good at handling children and because he is studying in a good college he must be very good with math i don't know where that comes from but they decided mm-hmm. to give me the most problematic child they had in the shelter <laughs> okay which was great because also uh, i believe that greater the challenge bigger the learning and yeah. because it is so difficult i took it as a challenge and i was at the end of it very happy with the decision okay but this is the first time i've realized how difficult it is to teach a child who does not want to study mm yeah and also i've also realized that things which i think are easy are not really mm-hmm. easy 
you understand mm. the complexity only when you start teaching right and mm. given the complexity plus the fact that the child does not want to learn mm-hmm. how do you tackle this problem do you have any ideas on this like how mm. do you teach a child who does not want to study i mean uh, i might not have gotten it entirely but uh, so you don't wanted to do the mentor you didn't want to do the mentor role again right right uh, and what is this exact role that you have currently is it like a teacher yeah so every sunday i go in there for 2 hours and for 2 hours i will teach him math okay so there's just one student one student it differs for okay. every volunteer but i had just one student yeah and you have this exceptionally difficult person to deal with again so i don't really like to label children yeah but let yeah, us no, say i mean yeah so let us say like he is not great at math and he has no mm-hmm. interest in studying math yeah that's fair um so the the first thing that comes to mind uh, when you say these things is it's it's always very difficult to get the mind to do anything that it doesn't want to do so when you say that this person doesn't want to learn it it it's sort of for me the route that i would try first would be to get his or her mind in the space for learning than just starting to teach the actual subject content like that would be my approach how um i mean i there there would be techniques uh, not that any of which i'm not very intimately familiar with but i'm sure there would be technique to get people interested in learning first maybe maybe by just telling them what learning is what it does to the brain and something i mean it, i think it would different things would appeal to different people generally like this is a good rule of thumb that if if someone sees their learning uh, applied in certain contexts that gets them rewards that will be something that can help rewards rewards gamification yeah gamification is totally based on this idea yeah i mean if you if like you have to sort of uh, see what the interest of the person is uh, is uh, is he she a child or what what's the age gap there beta 9th grade okay i mean it, it there are certainly some things that would be appealing to this person uh, and if you were to tap into those things and then route your studies through that thing so for example if they are interested in football then perhaps you could start with how say i don't know whatever say math is useful in something like football or so, you know, some some connection like that obviously this needs much more planning पहले इस पहले इस टीम ने चार गोल किए फिर उस टीम ने चार गोल किए फिर इसने वापस एक गोल किया सो दैट इज हाउ आई एम टीचिंग एम एडिशन नो आई मीन दिस इज दिस इज वे टू ओवर सिंप्लीफाइड बट सी द ओवरऑल पॉइंट इट एंड सर्टेनली रिक्वायर्स मोर प्लानिंग देन व्हाट वी कैन कम अप विथ योर जस्ट टॉकिंग बट द सिंपल आइडिया हियर इज दैट यू कैन डायरेक्टली गो ऑन टू द सब्जेक्ट मैटर अनलेस यू क्रिएट सम अफेक्टिव स्टेट दैट इज प्रोन दैट इज मोर suitable for learning right so um, i i completely agree with you and uh, the fact that you came up with this in just 5 minutes of time uh, people at the ngo know this and <laughs> the ngo is working for a long time so it has learned many things over these years so they <laughs> also provide training to their volunteers so that's true <laughs> so there are uh, different categories there is first bonding activity there is uh, yeah. refresher activity energizer yeah. activity etc etc but yeah. again all these ideas in principle sound very good but while executing there are so many different things which pop up and what i think 
in my experience which has worked is spontaneity of the teacher or the mentor spontaneity always works you have to be really alert and you have to be very creative of what you can do yeah. in that point of time and the problem is also that the shelter the ngo works with the ngo mm. has been working with the shelter for again a, a few years now so the children mm-hmm. have already gone through four or five years of teaching from the volunteers of this ngo so they mm-hmm. also know all the tricks in the book so they right. the the teacher will start talking uh, will start narrating a story and uh, mm-hmm. while narrating the story they will ask a few questions and then suddenly there are some multiplications some calculation then they will ask about the tables and uh, then suddenly the child realizes no i am learning tables the story has ended ended minutes ago ah. and then the child will blatantly just say it on the face of the teacher nahi nahi teacher aap to hum log ko maths padha rahe ho aap log ko kahani to khatam ho gayi kab ki hum log ko aisa mat sikhao hum log ko pata chal jata hai etc etc right right and that's why uh, i mean this all of this is very explicitly mixing things and making things interesting but uh, what i was referring to is a much more deeper sort of a transformation in which uh, you're trying to create love for learning for lack of a better phrase um i mean i have you heard of the cognitive behavioral therapy i've heard of it but i don't really remember what exactly right that is. um so the way it works is um, it sort of reengineers your core beliefs in life uh, so and that that is if you have like dysfunctional or skewed beliefs Uh, so, for example, one of the core beliefs that is commonly found is, uh, "I am not lovable enough," right? Uh, and that leads to a lot of further assumptions in life, which could lead to a lack of, say, uh, interest in learning. So now, in order to tackle that interest in learning, it won't be sufficient to just start with the story and somehow intersperse multiplication with it. You need to sort of go back to to see where the root of the problem is, which could be one of these core beliefs. Uh, so when I when I meant uh sort of getting to their position and changing their affect i meant on this core belief sort of a level it's a much much more deeper level than just the superficial start with the story level i mean the start with the story is also good i'm not sort of denying it as a technique to captivate interest but uh, i think students will be smart enough to sort of see when it has shifted as you have said see uh, what you're suggesting is will require many resources and lot of time i suppose that is true and uh, uh, what i also believe is that a child's learning is much more from their parents house their mm-hmm. friends their surroundings mm-hmm. etc so unless and until all things are in good condition the conditions for learning would be good so what you said that the core belief might be the problem but mm. if the the core belief has come from say one of their parents yes some problem with their parents but that is not really in your control and that is difficult to tackle now yeah yeah and, and uh, the ngo majorly works with shelter authorities uh, shelter homes across india which are uh, which could be orphanages so i work in an orphanage and these people have horrible past super horrible yeah so yeah, all, yeah. so the things you are talking about the core village they are definitely very in a very bad state and yeah. s- some of the experiences i have listened to from the children mm-hmm. are so horrible that any sane person would start crying furiously in front of them such horrible past so yeah, uh, yeah. again the question here was having said that having 
a child with bad past experiences the child feels very hopeless about his or her life in hmm. such case teaching first of all do do we even need to teach math in such case when the person has all this baggage of emotional torture on his shoulders how important is math in that context i don't really know but life goes on and, and that child has yeah. to go to school and has to get some level of education right so given this context uh, yeah. i think it's very difficult to deal with this children and uh, yeah this has kept me thinking a lot as to what could be an mm-hmm. ideal ideal way to tackle this problem i haven't come up with an answer i think this is where the one size fits all nature of our schooling system becomes a problem now as you have described like it's it's not that big of a surprise that these children are not interested in learning given the past that you are describing i mean that would be sort of the last thing in their list if say for example they are facing domestic violence right like learning tables is certainly not something that um uh, would be on your priority list and at the same time your education system will force you to learn tables like for children like these uh there needs to be much more education with regards to emotional health uh which regards to say even physical security in terms of uh both like prevention against violence but also prevention against diseases uh all of these things are much more important given their context than is all the other standard educational things that we usually teach i mean i think that could come later but uh, we certainly need to play with the order and sort of reconsider what our assumptions are about from what place our children coming from uh, and it's i i do personally feel it's a little unfortunate that we are expecting them to uh, do things that children from like relatively good backgrounds are doing uh, without doing any background maintenance work and sort of getting them to a place of emotional health first funnily enough another volunteer from my ngo yeah. was asking me the same question so mm-hmm. what happened was uh, the ngo was not able to recruit enough mentors so i was again shifted to the transition readiness vertical and i was uh, again i am again a mentor now and uh, the other me- mm-hmm. other academic support volunteer who got the same child he Uh, texted me and he was asking that how do you manage children this is a problem i'm having the the child is not really interested uh, so i did give him an answer mm-hmm. my answer but i don't really like my answer because it was not very mm-hmm. optimistic and not very hopeful it was more on the practical side mm-hmm. i just told him to lower his expectations mm-hmm. there is only so much you can do with just 2 hours a week that child mm-hmm. might need 4 hours every day for mm-hmm. the next few years to catch up and mm-hmm. we don't really have that amount mm-hmm. of time with him so you just lower the yeah. expectations and do the best you can but i'm not really happy with that answer i mean mm-hmm. i would love to come up with a better answer which is more optimistic more hopeful mm-hmm. certainly something is better than nothing i'm sure uh your ngo and others do a lot uh in terms of at least the final position is much better than the starting position um so i think th- you you do deserve credit for all of that and there's no two ways about it um uh, but i think uh, also just focusing on this emotional health would make um uh, like other stuff easier it's just that so 
prioritizing what needs to be done might also lead to a big change in impact yeah yeah hmm but yeah i think it's a very sensitive topic it's a very important topic and uh, i'm glad that there are so many good ngos in india that do this work that's true it makes me really hopeful of the future when i see so many like minded people working for the same cause that's an optimistic note <laughs> so um uh, recently yeah. there have been protests in my college okay so oh, interesting, interesting. Uh, <laughs> about so, uh, so yeah. what triggered it was uh, a few girls and when i say few it is around 200 200 girls fell ill at a time and everyone had the same symptoms they had some oh. some itching oh. sensation in their throats and okay. they could not eat and the, s- the symptoms seemed like food poisoning yeah but all of them are girls girls hostel is a separate hostel so ah okay fair enough so many of them were admitted into hospitals and that uh, that triggered everything and we had some protests but while protesting the demands that were kept were not just about the food quality it encompassed many other things as well for example the fact that you cannot make video calls on the college college internet as the porn sites are free to access mm. how i don't know how much sense that makes mm. and uh, there are other things like girls mm. have an in time of 10 pm and boys can roam around in the campus till morning so another demand was to mm-hmm. scrap off in time for girls and there were 22 such demands and it was okay. a big protest and there was media coverage oh. there have been okay. articles in times of india ztv etc okay so my question is when do you feel comfortable in your society that could mm. be a college that could be a residential building or that could be a city that could be a nation when are you more comfortable when there are protests going around or when there are no protests going on so when there are protests going on the one thing you are sure about is the community is active which is which is a good sign yeah but then there's all chaos around and things are disruptive yeah or do you think that if there are no protest everything is going on fine smoothly you value smoothness and uh, regularity more <laughs> yeah um i mean i don't think anyone at all associates comfort with protesting i mean they can certainly associate involvement engagement activism uh with protests but not comfort i'm i've not heard of that at least um in fact protests are by nature sort of have some element of discomfort right but it's um, good to know right that people in your college won't just keep quiet if wrong things are done to them yeah of course of course and yeah any sort of a power hierarchy setup there needs to be some checks and balances from the receiving end even last year there was some problem in my college many people were uh, contracting mm-hmm. dengue and many people were admitted but mm-hmm. there was no such protest no one was really supporting the cause no one was engaging in the cause Mm-hmm. there was also the second issue was mm-hmm. hostel fee hike there was some kind of agitation but i did not really catch up because mm-hmm. only the post graduates were involved the the bachelors were not involved greatly etc there was some problem every now and mm-hmm. then and i was very unhopeful about all this because i knew that the because all these attempts to question the authority 
they were not really bearing fruit but uh, so what that meant was like hmm. authorities also gain confidence that we can do anything and we can get away with it and it it's not right you know, it's, yeah it's not a good place to be in so when i saw yeah. that there was a protest i saw like hundreds of people on the road in our college i was so happy there was big smile yeah. on my face although it was it, it is supposed to be uh, a time of distress was i was smiling just because of the fact that there were so many people they were sitting mm. there they were protesting they were chanting slogans i was very happy about it but again because of that our exams got postponed there was some tension because the girls they received a message that you are right. not entered after 10 pm so if you are in that protest it will be problem for you there was tension there but right. it also felt good yeah so okay let, let me change the question do you think there can be cases where you don't really need any protests you don't really need any kind of disruptions in in the daily working of some organization city college whatever and things can be okay with okay even with that smoothness yeah uh, i mean ideally we would want things to get resolved before a protest is required i'm not saying there won't be problems i don't think that's uh, going to happen anytime in any system there'll always be problems uh, but i think uh, there could be good processes set in place uh, so that things are taken care of before a protest is warranted uh, i think that is a ideal setup to be in because uh, once things get to the level of protest a they can sometimes well quite often get to the level of say violence and not all protests are peaceful uh especially at the national government level protests regarding say the example that comes to mind is the uh, reservation protest which was in haryana last year so things get violent very soon um so ideally uh i would like i think i could say it is a normative thing also but uh it's not that i've like sort of properly thought about this but i uh, i think things could be such that you create systems uh that um problems get caught and solved before a protest is needed how much of that is translated into real world is a question but like an ideal situation i would imagine things get resolved that way i don't know i think a part of me feels that if there are no small disruption there are no protests there is no disruptions i think things are not going in the right direction i think they should be a constant in ideal case so uh, when i say things are caught on early that means that you encourage disagreement you encourage conflict it's just on the level of say words it's on the level of arguments it's not on the level of it doesn't get any further than that so there is in fact always uh, what i'm saying is should be always opposing views there should always be tension and conflict it's just uh, it should be civil and it should be uh, done with reason not with threat or force a protest when there's a protest uh, in the way that it is happening there there's a very overt display and use of force right kind of like say say for say for example in my college protest there was no violence we just sat yeah. there and said we will just sit yeah. here till you all come the college authorities and then these people right. came and then they had some right. discussions but again the students were not ready to right. move until they met all of our demands so there was some amount of force in yeah. that but not really it was not a violent yeah. forcing i i, I think i might... yeah yeah by force i mean like there were yeah. many people so there so i think i am just romanticizing this i just want yeah people to be heroic in some sense 
just standing up in parliament and just saying that this is wrong is not so cool but going on the streets with thousand people at your back that sounds cool right so maybe i'm just romanticizing this yeah i mean at the end of the day you care about your issue being resolved and the, the more easily it's resolved the better right for all parties but anyway the protests were fun for me yeah i mean certainly they sort of pump your adrenaline yeah. so that's i can imagine why you're saying it's fun for you uh but uh do i prefer it happening all the time no uh but having said that like there are some causes worth lobbying for and i'm i'm not against protest or anything it's just i don't prefer it and things should be resolved easily is what i think should happen but yeah in an ideal world that happens in an in the world that we live in <laughs> possibly not but having said that like i do have uh when i try to set organizations myself i do try to like ensure that there are systems like these put in place so that everyone does feel a part of the community right from the start on and any issues that come up are sort of caught in their infancy uh and they don't get time to like so for example the your protest what you're saying is there was an issue which is like food poisoning and then there are this all sorts of latent demands that are coming up right um in a good functioning system uh, all those demands would be discussed whenever they came up right. it won't be like you need some reason which is independent of those demands to sort of trigger these uh, a funny thing which happens in my college is class representative is chosen by the professor and i i think that is the root yeah, cause of yeah. everything yeah that's so one of the 22 demand, demands were yeah. that from next year onwards there should be elections proper elections and then the representatives can be held accountable for whatever decisions they are taking or whatever actions they are not taking yeah i think uh, that's that's a terrible thing uh, i think what what needs to happen from the leadership side and from the administration side is also this total autonomy to student bodies like that's that's quite important by that i don't mean that uh, they are above and beyond the rules of the college or rules of the law but th- they should function like independent units that's very important and the moment you appoint someone you're sort of breaking that autonomy you're breaking that uh, isolation that is required for successful opposition and useful opposition do you think students should be part of the community committee which is taking big decisions such as what should be the marking scheme how many exams should be there in a year etc etc do you think students should have a say in this i don't think uh, there's one answer to that it depends on uh, what sort of a decision you are talking about say for example it's a decision totally based on uh, the funds of the college possibly the students are not a, a great uh, sort of involvement in this but if the decision is uh, about say the community say of say the college academics. Uh, academics again a sort of depends but if it's it's like say so, say so like most of our professors would have like a phd right uh, so clearly they are much more educated have much more awareness of what academia is and most uh, say if you're talking about an undergraduate undergraduate institution people would have come in like one year two year in students so i don't think at that point uh, student involvement might be a great idea um, so i think the principle that i'm getting at is i'm not saying that everything uh, must be student involved like a student should not be involved like in every single decision of the university it's not that that i'm advocating um but yeah a lot of things student could be involved and i think that is a good idea especially in in matters that which involves the community taking decisions for the community so i think what what's the underlying principle behind this is you need to know what the domain of your decision is and whether students are stakeholders in it and if they are then they should be involved 
I think in every decision it is important to know the students perspective because at the end of the day the college is for the students but then say if the students perspective is not being taken into consideration and the student does not really have any real power in the decision making and what is the use mm-hmm. of taking the perspective and not mm-hmm. really incorporating if it is left upon the authorities to take the decision whether to take yeah. this perspective seriously or not so then i will think that no student yeah. should also have some decision making power but then the problem with students making mm. the decision is that they could dilute the experience for themselves in uh, in the light of making their life comfortable and easy for the next few years mm. so what i what i mean is the student's perspective might be wrong for the student and then the distinction yeah. making process between what is right and what is wrong and who will make that decision there's a lot of gray here yeah i mean again in an ideal world you would embrace all perspectives and then arrive at the best decision based on reason uh, that's that's the utopia mm-hmm. in practice again i mean i'm i'm just speaking from experience wherein uh, student involvement has been a necessary negative uh because of just simple lack of knowledge and lack of experience um say for example uh, i mean i don't think i have any on top of examples but i think what i'm trying to say again is um uh, students are inexperienced so i can imagine situations in which it might be better off to leave um like attribute a slightly lower weight to a student's opinion uh but again that's that's a process of reason that's a process of the context uh sometimes it might be the other way around because like say for example if, if it's a decision about housing on campus and students are actually living on campus then obviously their decisions matters much more than their opinions matter much more than any other professor who is randomly mm-hmm. coming in from outside right so it so it depends on the decision really uh and as i said in an ideal world you embrace all opinions and then you arrive at the correct answer through reason and to whatever extent possible you need to stick to that model okay i think uh, it's time for you to have your lunch yeah that's correct uh, any closing remarks notes any closing remarks uh i mean i think we spoke for what an hour yeah <laughs> it was not a bad start i would say <laughs> see i'm about going you? to edit this podcast and i'm going to curse myself for using those words those tone that tone and those Yeah that mess up yeah, so that's I'm always going to happen very um, bad at the end yeah. of editing this podcast so don't ask me this question <laughs> yeah i mean the disclaimer always holds that um, when you have a microphone in front of you uh, you're just much more conscious mm-hmm. about a lot of things um, and i hope our listeners sort of are charitable on us based on <laughs> this knowledge if <laughs> we do have listeners that is <laughs> that's that's a good yeah. one yeah for sure yeah we, we have two have. we have two we know we have two if you don't listen yeah. you're all out yeah. of the organization so, yeah. of i'm telling you <laughs> yeah. yeah okay okay anyway see you bye